4: Welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast with me, your host, Jeffrey Hart, aka Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Every fortnight, join me as I talk to designers, builders, makers, dreamers, and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello and welcome to episode 76. This episode, we are talking to Alex Gavin, Kenny and Zoe, who are all architects based across the US. Together, they form the new editorial team for The Last Straw Journal. So The Last Straw is an alternative building journal that has existed since the early 90s. Uh, It's really to document and share ideas, successes, failures and humour around the techniques of straw bale building. The journal has been dormant for a few years now. Um, So it's great that the team have revived it and they've done such a good job. And I was completely honoured to contribute an article on the design of my tiny house. And that can be read in issue 71, which is available now from thelaststraw.org. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, A very quick tiny house update. Things are coming together. It really feels like a house now. I have got trim around the windows. My bathroom is pretty much there. The bath is in. uh, There's a little bit of tile around the bath. There's hot water. I had a bath and it was glorious. I've got this sort of short, uh, it's almost like an oversized bucket with a little seat in it. Uh, So yeah, very small space bath. And I enjoyed my first soak and My word, it was glorious. Yep, and then um, the kitchen is almost there. Probably a couple more days and there'll be doors on the cupboards. All the lighting will be sorted. Yeah, just every day it gets a little bit better. I'm loving it. There are various pictures up on my Instagram if uh, if you're interested. Just quickly before we get into the episode, there is just time to say a huge, huge thank you to all all of the newest building sustainability heroes. Uh, These are the people who financially support the podcast with a small amount every month, but those small amounts all add up to me covering all the running costs of the podcast and giving me a little for the hours that it takes me to run and research and promote and do all the things that make a podcast happen. And I really couldn't be more thankful to uh, to everyone who supports um so this month we have got and apologies in advance for some terrible pronunciations uh we have got amy isted max palgrave both amy and max have gone for the five pound a month they get a hand carved wooden spoon that i will start carving very soon uh we've also got robert culverhouse we've got george Mikursic and Lara Skaronska Costumier, although I suspect Costumier might be the job. So thank you so much to everyone. Um, there is actually a ten-minute bonus snippet of audio from today's episode, um, and now nearly ten hours of other bonus bits and bobs. Uh, there's whole episodes, there's little snippets, there's various bits that didn't quite make it into the podcast. Um, You also will have an opportunity to suggest questions for uh, the upcoming guests. I've got four more guests that are all lined up. Interviews are happening soon, so you can get in there, find out who they are, and get me some questions. There is, of course, a link to the Patreon in the show notes. (laughs) Okay, good. That's everything. Enjoy the episode. Uh, I should say that because of the large numbers of people, it was a Zoom recording, and the audio is a bit questionable, not up to the normal standards. But hopefully you'll accept it. I'm back at the end. Bye-bye.
2: Yeah, so going back to, to 92, uh, 1992, where it was just a, a newsletter. And then I think their first official or more official issue is in 1993. But um, Mott Smearman and Judy Knox and their friends in Tucson, Arizona, had a, the company out on bail. Um, bail was spelled like straw bail. Uh, it seems like there's no shortage of puns and <laughs> and humor <laughs> throughout everything. <laughs> uh, our impression right now um, is that just the the excitement of like kind of like rekindling natural building, kind of starting from when they had read um, Whole Earth Catalog and uh, owner builder magazines um, in the in the and fine home building. I think there was uh, I can't remember the name of the article, but they they were kind of like starting to hear about this stuff and like wanted to do it themselves. And then as they were trying it out, they're getting information they want to kind of like share it. As, as widespread and quickly as possible and kind of caught like wildfire out West. And then they found that other people were, were up to this all over. And there was maybe five, it was several years that they, they were running it um, and kind of like basing it out of, you know, their, their compound in, in Arizona. And since then it's kind of transferred to different publishers and editors in Nebraska and Colorado and um maybe new mexico
4: didn't it go to, to canada for a while was was chris magwood doing it?
2: i think yeah yeah he was he was the editor i think it may have still been published out of nebraska but yeah it's it's always been like very like collaborative and widespread i mean not not with zoom of course but they found a way somehow
4: <laughs> <laughs> what what do you think have been like the big the big successes of the of the last draw over the years
2: I, I'm, my impression is that it's kind of like part of how it caught on so well was that they were talking about all this like really exciting new, basically new research, just doing it yourself and going to, you know just just trying things out. But um, they also always talked about why they were doing it. So they would talk about the the greater like we we have to build in a different way if we're going to exist anywhere close to comfortably you know going forward with the changing climate um they were, talked about the economics of it and you know there's all like there's all different parts of the spectrum to like kind of come come at that from but they also about like the ethic behind it and I, I feel like that kind of um that kind of kept it going because it wasn't just in a like trade magazine it was you know a lot of people that you know weren't professional designers or professional builders before but they kind of became basically professionals because they were the ones out there relearning it or rediscovering it or or pushing it forward themselves. So that kind of like kind of, uh, do it yourself ethic and spirit I think also kind of made it like pretty welcoming. And then you still had like, you know, like the really pretty major, um, pushes for getting natural building into building codes around the world. And that was talked about and, um, And updated in the last straw so it was like still like pretty rigorous and heavy hitting like communication going on while you had people talking about like oh yeah i built this 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 funky little uh writer's hut or something or you know i built my house and it's it's still standing kind of thing
4: i like i mean i really like that it's it kind of embodies that sharing culture that that natural building has you know it's it's about people having a go talking about their successes talking about their failures communal learning
3: yeah one one little one little metaphor we've used to talk about it among many is kind of the like the community fire like the campfire that that is this it's this place where everybody gathers after their explorations for the day and they come back and share their stories and sometimes they exaggerate them and sometimes they you know really get into them but but I think it's a place like and it has that sort of um, attitude of yeah, I think exactly what you said, kind of communal learning, everybody gathering together. And, you know, if it wasn't the last straw, I think it would have been something else. Um, but it's been kind of amazing and humbling the number of folks who have kind of come up to us or sent us emails and said, um, that like the last straw in the past and we can't take credit for, you know, it's history, but they just say that it was a very essential part of, of like the movement getting a little bit of footing and, um, kind of really beginning to crank there in the early 90s so yeah it's quite a legacy to inherit
4: yeah much pressure
2: there, yeah there's some <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would say yes <laughs> but there's a lot of goodwill too a lot of people that are just excited to 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 have it active and i feel like that helps kind of offset the pressure
3: oh yeah
4: so much goodwill yeah I, everyone is just like loving it and wanting you to to succeed. And, and so, and so pleased that you're, you're putting in the effort. What do you think you're going to bring? I guess, you know, every editorial team who's taken it on is, is going to take it in a slightly different direction. What, what do you think's uh, what you're bringing to the, the, the journal?
5: Uh, something that we've talked about a little bit is s- sort of trying to turn a, a negative into a positive in the, in the sense that we collectively don't know a lot about natural building and so trying to sort of approach it as a, as a novice and, and potentially be an opening for other people that are interested in it, like us, that haven't really found a good source of the information is part of it, at
1: least. We're really trying to make, make it more accessible for, for, for people like us who are just entering the world. And, and we do think that kind of being a beginner makes us a little bit like uniquely qualified to, to ask these, these more beginner questions and, and, um, and to approach it from that direction versus it being something super scholarly and unapproachable. And we want kind of everyone to be able to pick it up no matter what skill levels they have. Um, and yeah, we, we also kind of want to zoom out a bit and, um, even though it is about natural building, we want to make sure that we're not just talking about buildings in isolation, but the broader context of what they are and who they affect, um, both human and non-human. And we, yeah, we think it's a really, really important thing that the platform is holistic in that approach and dives deeper than just building details, even though those are extremely
2: important. Part of what we're also bringing is is our background in architecture. So we, we have like a, a, a basis for like looking at building drawings and, and making building drawings and like kind of knowing how things go together. And so it's um it's not like a total blank slate, but um we know that there's a lot of disgruntled architecture graduates out there that um when they can find a architecture job, it you know it's not not exactly what they were hoping for. Um we're partly hoping to, to, to speak to them and kind of like kind of help make it I, I guess ex- accessibility is, is the key word always but you know help like uh, make it more accessible or legible um, in architecture schools and wherever else people are talking about building design but that's that's kind of what also what we're kind of bring in is like that perspective and like that kind of background so you know we can we can use the design software and you know and produce the magazine and you know Talk about buildings
3: and, and sort of like kind of also with this hope that by like having the year of architecture grads, we can help nudge the industry from maybe a, a place that it hasn't been nudged um, because of, you know architects and their drawings are one of the big sources of demands and <laughs> the like what materials are called for in construction, and, and architects have a role in helping push
4: natural building forward yeah well I like that I like that it's um I mean I think there's a lot of parallels to the podcast there in that I mean certainly the holistic viewpoint uh is definitely something I try to to tap into I think if you're not looking holistically you're generally causing more problems with your with the solutions that you, you've sort of come up with um but also just like I mean I come at this from a place of I want to learn I like I want, I want to absorb all all, all my guests' knowledge. So it's, um, to, I think it's a really healthy place to be. Is that, that sort of you know, beginner mindset? It's it means you are asking the, the questions, doesn't it? I mean, I was interested in uh, in sort of the idea of the actual journal as a way to 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 give out this information. I mean, there is obviously since nineteen ninety three, the technological advances of the internet and sharing information has has changed quite a lot. Was it something you considered that is a journal still the right format to to communicate this stuff?
2: Yeah, we've, we've been talking about that and we're, we're still, we're still working through it, but we've kind of been thinking of the last straw is like, it's a platform and one aspect of it is the, the magazine that there's PDF and there's the print, but there's also the website and there's also like email newsletter and there's also whatever else. And so we're trying to think like how, what are we trying to do, and like which one is like the the better like format for that. So like with a print magazine, you know, we could like walk through Lowe's, walk by the cash registers um, or Home Depot or like any like big box home improvement store and just like slip a few magazines on the rack. Um, we could do the same thing at Barnes and Noble or something or something like that. Or it could be on a bookshelf at a architecture school library. Be passed around you know could be at a coffee shop or something so it's like there's a way that that could be um seen and like spread around that is different than if it was only digital um with the website we're also like gavin might be able to speak more to, or can speak more to this but like you know we've got a bunch of ideas of like what as far as like making it more widespread and also like uh connecting the existing community maybe like helping to cultivate it that maybe the website um, might be um more in a place to do and then the newsletter is just a little more frequent and easier to 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 get out um than a a full-on magazine and we still want to kind of like keep boosting like cool products that we hear about and like kind of keep stay engaged with people so uh, that's that's kind of like some of our initial thoughts, on like why why different formats, and why why print at all?
5: Yeah, we 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 have some big dreams for the website, but you know, it's it's just the four of us, and we're we're trying to work through it all. Um, but I think coming back to the 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 goalpost of being as accessible as possible to as wide a you know group of people as we can, and you know, trying to get people together, you know, as, as Alex might say, like find each other and get together and, and do cool things.
3: Yeah. 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 I think that the one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, but that I think listeners might be excited to know about if, uh, if they don't already know is that one thing we did in kind of a, an effort to make the magazine accessible from the beginning is uh, we put the entire archive, of the last straw on the website where it can be downloaded and anywhere from $0 to however much you want to pay for it. Um, you know, with the new issues, maybe eventually they'll make their way into that same free archive. Uh, and I think just keeping this kind of growing resource of material going and hosting it on the website and making it as accessible as we can is something that we definitely want to do and want, want as many people uh, as possible to, to download it. So the last straw.org.
4: Nice. Perfect. I really love that um the, the sort of gorilla distribution possibilities of of, uh, of a, a actual physical thing. And I'm I'm you know, I maybe it wasn't clear how I sort of phrased the question, but I'm I'm totally with you that that a physical thing is it's I don't know. There's so much more to it, isn't there? It's like the the book that you could read on your Kindle or, you know, you get it personally recommended to you by your friend and you know, placed in your hand. It's, it's so much more sort of valuable. And I think you, you absorb it and sort of, it connects better. I think is what I'm trying to say.
1: And that's something that we really thought about as a point to kind of drive our, our graphic design is like, how can we make this approachable um, it, like in opposition to a lot of other like architecture magazines that we've seen that are super slick and just not not easy to pick up we we kind of want to think about it as something that's not taking itself too seriously and and silly and fun uh in contrast to kind of like the rigor of the the building science uh data that is is so important to it as well which is something that the the community already just seems to embody so much is is that silliness um, that that makes it so fun and and welcoming um,
4: is is there um is there like a hope or a dream or like you know what would be the marker of complete success that that you could reach i th- i
3: think um, I think one thing that we all hope for is that natural building uh, or alternative building or better building, whatever you want to call it, um, is that it just becomes more the norm and it's not necessarily this side category of construction. I think that it's, you know, all buildings should be green building. Um so whatever like a mark of success I think is just uh, an increase <laughs> in that sort of mindful uh building. Um and I think that, you know, it's it's funny that I was thinking about this a little bit when we were mentioning the difference between a material thing or an idea. I think something that uh, we also share is this idea that it is important to, you know, be a voice and generate stories and help help uh, maybe introduce new concepts to people about what construction can be. But equally important is the material reality of that. And, I mean, as as long as we just discuss what would be better, but the construction in this industry and everything continues as it does, um, it's that's winning, <laughs> and it's perfectly fine with with you know most capitalist enterprises if if we just continue our you know conversations in some sort of ideal form discussion. Uh, but I think we really want to empower people and even find ourselves in more positions where we're actually building things. So. I think something we want the journal to do is uh, empower people from, uh, you know, yeah, the, the professionals to the backyard, you know, DIYers to just go outside and um, look at the world around them and to actually be in that world and not on a screen and to pick up materials and put them together and be involved in those practices uh, as individuals and uh, better yet with In their community. And as Zoe mentioned earlier, I think we want to emphasize that like, yeah, it's not just an individual hobby or even like a a human centric kind of uh, enterprise, but it it needs to involve the more than human communities as well, because we're talking about a more holistic vitality and health (laughs) of the world.
2: Yeah. So like uh, some success would be like if the magazine was really widespread and inspired other people to make their own like regional versions and we kind of um in our in our coverage of the the rocky mountain natural building conference in the issue we just put out um on the last page of that kind of like have this like dream of you know uh i don't remember if it was like seven years from now or or something like that or 10 years from now that um there's like a proliferation of bioregional magazines and groups and so like a dream would be that there's all these more specific uh magazines that come up and then we're always like advertising like oh there's this regional building conference there's this regional building conference and it's kind of like you know it's never a question that you'll consider your local climate and materials at hand just at, at the beginning of any project like that's not an extra thing it's not like a a checklist on a lead or i don't remember what the, the british is it beam that's not beam. a bre-am. Oh, bream. okay yeah it's not it's just not like a good thing you check off it's like kind of like foundational to, to anything that you're building. And so that that would be cool if we're always talking about all these people getting together and you're not far away from someone doing something cool wherever you are.
3: Yeah. I think if, if at some point the last straw became, if at some point the magazine became irrelevant because there are more like kind of destituent like energies going and a lot of people are doing things all over. I think that would be great and fine. (laughs) Um, like if if somehow these like yeah autonomous enterprises happening all over it kind of made the magazine uh, irrelevant, great, but until that's that's happening, I think they're to be a source of like helping pull those communities together and share info um, is something we're happy to do
4: well i mean episode episode that's my thing issue seventy one uh your your first issue is fantastic uh just i was so so i mean surprised and pleased to just see how how beautiful it was how funny it was it it, it did it, it captured everything that that i love about about the natural building world um so so congratulations on that but i mean talking about this this issue uh first of all that picture on the front do you know what i kind of didn't really fully zoom in on it uh or like look at it and then I saw my own little house there on the front, and I was like, "Oh, it's it's all of the things in this issue, beautifully drawn out." And I, you know, it like properly warmed my heart.
5: That was that was the hope, kind of that it's a uh, it's a slow burn, and you kind of
3: realize it after a little while.
4: Gavin, Gavin, Gavin drew it. Ah, well, thank you, Gavin. It's
3: it looks it looks so so good. So good.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, sh- let's have a little chat about about what's in this issue, if that's all right. Can I get a, a favorite favorite article? We
2: have to say you, your yeah, the, the biophilic tiny home <laughs> <laughs> part one.
4: Well, hang on, let's let's take let's take mine out of the the equation.
2: It's uh- <laughs> only fair; it's it's head and shoulders above. <laughs> well, we've we've got
5: an an oral history of of building code that is sort of based on an Interview with Martin Hammer, the prolific code writer of natural building in the in
2: the US. Well, I was I was I was leaning more towards like one of the we have an article from Susan Clinker um, that I just feel like I'm just impressed by like how many different uh, ambitions and and things that the the project and the article kind of touches um, where she and um, her business partner Soren um, are starting a company to try to like have like an urban focus on bringing in, well, they chop straw panels in, in their case, but, you know, bringing straw and natural materials into an urban context. And in their case, uh, Salt Lake city, Utah. And, uh, I just the, the, the ambition of it. And like the kind of like to, to, to make something mainstream to focus on cities where most people live. Um, or just at a scale where if, if you're in a city or in a more rural area, uh, their accessory dwelling unit or like, um, I think, 600 square foot building like that, that's, that can be built in so many different places. And um, her specific dream of like, that's how you you know get it to be mainstream. And then also like the, the really nice, crisp drawings can always appreciate that. And then uh, combined with the kind of beginning um, fire testing of the chop straw panels that, that she and um, her, her team and colleagues have, have been doing. And like that, that seems kind of like a, a throwback to the, the earlier days where it's just kind of like, you know, un- until we get, you know, this, you know, major laboratories, university funding, we just got to go try it ourselves. And I mean, they, they did it, and they made it rigorous. And uh, I just think that that whole, I, I like how that, turned out where it's like really really optimistic.
3: I do like I like the I like the addition of um there's there's like a a kind of a a group focused on defending um a forested a large forested piece of land um kind of been the Atlanta area um that's currently under threat by a couple of different entities. Uh, there's an article that kind of discusses the history of the place and then why this like piece of land is really essential for the ecology of the area and then kind of the threats and then the resistance that are happening uh, kind of all as part of this story. And I think that that I, I enjoyed including that article because it um, I think it is, you know, a part of this holistic conversation we're talking about and I think that a lot of our readers might share similar sentiments to the to the group that submitted that article um or not but i think that it's an important part of the conversation and one that it would be it'd be great thinking about these sort of bioregional approaches to natural building also thinking about kind of what is going on on the ground in different bioregions when it comes to kind of industrial development and uh how the land is being um treated uh, so i think that was really great to include
1: Another article that I I really like is um, uh, James Henderson's Natural Plasterers uh, Gathering uh, Conference, and just kind of I think that piece is super important to to convey. You know how important it is to get together and be in person and be able to to help each other, share your skills, and um and and learn from your own practices. And that's something that can't can't be conveyed through the internet or social media or a blog
3: I think we also had a lot of fun doing um, kind of some less traditional articles and little just segments so there's um, we added a, a place where people can submit their truth windows um, to the journal so there's you know that's like a a hole that people will cut in their wall to reveal what the wall is made of um, and it's kind of a, a playful tradition and a lot of natural buildings to have a truth window, so I think we we'd like to have a place for that that is just kind of rolling through the issues um, There are a couple of ads that you might have noticed that were we we didn't have any sponsors this issue we were really just trying to understand you know kind of without without any um, necessarily like support from sponsors how much you know just what it would Cost to make the issue, <laughs> but we made our own ads, um, and they're just—they're a moment to be funny, and I won't—I won't describe them because describing a joke often ruins it. But they're in there, some nice little joke ads. And then there's also a, our coverage of the Natural uh, Building Alliance uh, conference, and that happened in Moab, Utah, and it was—it was fun because that was our team had formed over Zoom. We live in different parts of the U.S. and that was actually our first time um, to get together as a team in a long, long time since, you know, architecture school. Um, So it was our first time to get together as the last straw team and kind of discuss our ideas in person and have this sort of experience together of going to the natural building conference. And I think it was, it was a really beautiful time and we met so many wonderful people and we made an attempt to kind of, uh, lead to the reader through the conference and thoughts that were going through our head leading up to the conference. And then there's a segment a little later in the issue about entering the conference and kind of this magical sphere that it was and meeting all the people. And then like a spread that's kind of like a, an assemblage of ideas and pictures and collage, kind of swirl of what the conference was like and things that we heard and things we saw. And then um, kind of like... Summing up the, and a little bit later in the journal, in a segment, summing up kind of the, the vibe of the conference and kind of the, the last thing that we did as conference goers as we all circled around the fire, come back to that metaphor and kind of discussed ideas before spreading back out into the world. But so the article kind of is sort of a, a dream. <laughs> A, sort of a weird a weird dream article like leading you through this conference, so I think that was really fun to put together as a theme
4: nice i mean, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that conference because well your the write up of it was i know reminded me very much of my trip to the the international straw conference back in whoa, what would that been two thousand and twelve i think, and just yeah the the sort of excitement and the um just the the sheer amount of sort of wisdom and uh, ideas. And yeah, it, it really, I mean, it completely changed my world that conference. So it was kind of, it was great to relive that uh, for this one.
3: Oh yeah. If I think it's been, it's been really um, amazing to hear how many people uh, have had their minds blown and worlds changed. Uh, Martin Hammer is one of those who went to a conference in California with a friend that was, Uh, About, uh, I think it was Swearingen, was the conference presenter's name. Um, But he had his mind blown and started doing natural building. And then, uh, you know, all these stories of people after having the embodied experience of being there with other natural builders, just kind of doing that in their lives that just becomes their trajectory uh, is really amazing. And so, uh, yeah, hopefully that article. If nothing else helps inspire people to get involved with yeah the communities around them or or making a trip to go to one of these conferences and just see what it's like to to be with other folks doing this sort of uh,
1: work yeah there were there were so many workshops and talks and presentations and so much amazing technical information too that we we really want to share, but kind of we all. Dispersed and and tried to go to as much as much as we could, but um, gathering back at the end, it was more the energy of the conference that we felt really was important to communicate and um, just how welcoming the community is and how excited everyone is to openly share all of their uh, their practices and information and nobody's holding anything back uh, and everyone everyone just wants. Everyone else to be a part of it, and it's it's really incredible.
2: It was kind of tricky to think about how to how to talk about it without like spending the whole issue, like you know, saying like oh, we went to this workshop and this in this talk and and these panels, and we we're just trying to, and we definitely want to like kind of pursue those in in future issues because each one of those could be like its own like article or or a few. Um, but among the things that kind of like stood out to to me, I think that to all of us that. We're also kind of important about the the conference. We're having the different discussion panels and, um, the five by fives that are like quick little presentations on, uh, someone's project. And there's like, you know, some kind of back and forth also after those, there was, um, a panel about inclusivity in construction and also specifically like natural building that, um, that was really. I mean, the the panel talk was really interesting, and then also like the Q and A kind of back and forth after was really cool. And then the other panel, that was um the other panel was making natural building mainstream, which is just like inclusivity, a huge topic. So it could, there's a million different things to talk about, but that's where you know it's really awesome to have people that um of all different like skill levels and experience levels and from all over, kind of talking about it. And uh, that was that was really also like a a lot of, a lot of different directions, like from like how mortgages and insurance works or doesn't work to like, should we focus on, um, getting some celebrity to have natural building and like, is that the key to visibility or, um, and both these, there's people working on this in both directions, but the other direction that was talked about was like, should we focus on like, um, housing for the homeless being like of, like of cob or of these materials, because it, it makes sense for, in both ways, but it's kind of like, well, um, it was just kind of interesting to hear about those two different approaches, but, or like, you know, the, the question of like, how, how much mixing with conventional materials, how much of a hybrid, you know, is like still worth talking about, or is it more important to just kind of like get these like interventions just into buildings as much as you can. And then it kind of builds up like um, that was just, that was really exciting to, to, to listen to and hear about.
1: Yeah. And in that vein of like trying to make the natural building movement mainstream is like, how do we also make sure that that movement is sustainable and doesn't just fizzle out. Um, and so it was, it was really interesting to to hear panels like that and hear from from people about what kinds of strategies they think are most important to infiltrate conventional construction.
5: And on the, on that topic of, of what Kenny was mentioning of, you know, housing for the homeless, just a, a little shout out to Miguel Elliott in, in Oakland, who's doing really incredible stuff. Uh, and who was a, who gave a speech at the conference. He has developed a technique called the palatable carbon, which is using in in a sense, it's sort of natural building in an urban context. You know, using pallets and sort of local trash and local dirt, and and making these these really incredible structures at,
4: in homeless encampments. Um, Fantastic! Is that sorry? Is that cob on wood? Mm-hmm. Great! Yes, I've seen that. There's been lots of uh, lots of info on that on, online recently. Um, really fantastic
3: yeah it was great at the conference he he also had a a moment where he just went through step by step how to build a palatable carbon um, so that was that was one of those
4: things that I was definitely scribbling down
3: uh, every note that I could yeah
4: yeah fantastic um and i mean how how wonderful is it uh just to be in moab i mean kenny and you've you've experienced the, the community rebuilds uh world but I mean that place is is a special place, huh?
2: Yeah, that seems like yeah, ground zero for so many things. So like it it was great having the conference there because a lot of the speakers were already there, and we could walk down the street to like look at their their stuff. And then yeah, just the 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 culture or the energy of of the town is kind of really conducive to. I mean, when I think, well, you know, obviously Emily Niehaus was mayor, so that's saying something that you know she starts the the natural building nonprofit contractor. Um, with the team, and then you know she's mayor of town, and then there was there's a a few council people that have either straw bale or um or cob houses. City council people, and uh, that's just really funny to think about. It's infiltration on different on a different level, and I think Emily's even said to to different versions, like to an extent, natural building is mainstream in Moab, to where at least like people know about it, and it's not like there is a code for it, and it's not it's, it's pretty widespread now. It doesn't mean that everyone, you know, is going out to have a straw, straw house, but it's, it's pretty close to mainstream.
4: Yeah. I'd say that it's probably, I mean, I can't think of any, any one specific location where it's, it's more common. Um, And yeah, that is, that is the knee house (laughs) effect.
2: Yeah. And she was, you know, because there was already builders in the area when, when she was in Moab and um, Donnie Kiffmeyer and, and khaki Hunter and, uh, well, okay. If I try to list people, I'm going to forget people, but you know,
4: was, <laughs> There's too many to be-
2: yeah, all these beautiful little buildings that you could just walk around and have a little history tour. And that was, of course, that was, I think there was a walk of that during the conference too.
0: We'll be back after a quick break. Hey there. I'm Mick from the Mick and Pat show. That's right. And I'm Pat looking for a podcast. That's like catching up with the old friends.
4: Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss
0: culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at the Mick and Pat show. You can check out our website or
4: find us wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. So, um, so I got a, um, a message from uh miles taylor who is one of our patrons um and he said that he met you on the way to the the conference i believe um and he was he's asked me to ask you about the rural studio program um and specifically sort of what is it and his big question was if you think it's a a scalable thing
3: um the rural studio is the it's the program that is the architecture program where we all met Mm -hmm. each other. So yeah it's 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 really a magical place that is i think very specific to that area of alabama and kind of the relationships with the community that it's established over the years and so it's located in a town of 180 people is about the population of newbern alabama where the studio is located and every project that the studio has done over the last 30 years has happened in a radius of about 25 miles from that central point in newbern so it's kind of hyperlocal. Um, the students, they move there. Um, so even though they're going to Auburn University and enrolled in university credits at Auburn, which is in East Alabama, they live in this small town for the entire semester. Um, I think every student has kind of a different experience depending on the project they're involved in and, uh, kind of, uh, you know, just what it grows into, but they, they really do kind of as teams of students. Um, in particular, the, the, the fifth year architecture students, they, they get a project in its very beginning form. But it's just a concept. This, this group, maybe, maybe the volunteer fire department of New Bern, Alabama needs a new volunteer fire department or New Bern wants to have a public library. So there's a team that takes that nugget and then over the course of basically a year comes up with a set of designs, has meetings with the community. Throughout the process, um, and then ends up after that kind of first year building the project um, for the community, um, and there there are all the buildings and houses. Um, there's a lot of houses involved too for families that are all donations um, to the organization for individuals. Um, so that's kind of the program. Um, is it scalable? One one kind of amazing thing is that you know the program started in 1993, and since uh, I think it was one of just a couple of architecture schools that had a design-build component. Um, otherwise, architecture schools are mostly in studio, um, learning to draw and draft. And now, I think it's it's over 70% of architecture schools around the country have design-build studios, and that means a lot of different things in different places. Uh, a lot of maybe a, a bus stop in an urban setting is the project of a, a design-build school or a piece of public art. But there are some different schools that are doing housing and uh, kind of community buildings in, in a similar way to rural studio. And uh, so I think the the idea, at least in the architecture education world, has been scaled, um, although it remains very, like, kind of specific to the place that it is. Um, but, yeah, I think that would be that's kind of a, a broad way of describing it.
2: Uh, I guess one thing that seems kind of distinctive um, about real studios that it seems like one of the most like involved ones to where like it is the students literally building like every component unless it gets like very specialized to where like you need like well they're not driving a concrete truck but you know we are like moving the the shoot into the the formwork um, and like m- other like specialized things like the the students used to do put up the drywall and now it's usually um, local guys that come in and do the drywall um, but I should also mention that uh, Alex worked as an instructor at Rural Studio after being a student, and like that also seems like kind of um i don't know I don't know how unique it is it seems like it's kind of unique that it's kind of a community built up around it and really kind of focused on like having that kind of uh i guess you call it institutional memory, but you know I have got to be more fun fun word for that, but that kind of like kind of really like embedding the embedding into a community and kind of like you know knowing who who works in the area and like what are the needs of the area so it's it's less like the helicopter in and like do a project and then come back out and yeah and there's probably like some specific things like being embedded in the university that kind of like allows it to do things but also might limit it in some ways because there are like um i guess peanut rebuilds is an example of like a building program with not not so much design, but like part of that that's outside of a university and or yes tomorrow it might be more school. Or well, there might be more design into that. Um, the the thing is that it, it it does kind of like the the hard thing that's or one of the hard thing that seems to replicating it is the resources behind getting donated building materials and staff time because. Um, at least in our experience like not having uh, designed a full building or built a full building before um, you know as, as 20 year olds or however old it takes longer <laughs> than than it than it might ordinarily and there's also like throughout the process there's always these guest reviewers coming in providing like really good feedback and, and insight but you know sometimes that you know flips the project or changes the project and whereas in studio it's like after the final review it's like okay I'll, I'll think about that for my my PDF portfolio I might you know change some things you know you have to kind of think about well how does that affect the schedule and and our, our budget and who we can uh, go go see if we can get donated materials from and and things like that so within a university setting it, it might be uh, a little bit easier to replicate but I guess it just takes creativity too
3: yeah and I'll just add to that that honestly a lot of mine um, after after teaching at the studio for four years after being a student there, um, the big question I was asking myself was like, how can I keep doing this sort of thing? And I think that's the, the, the original founder of rural studio, uh, it was, these these two, two professors from Auburn named uh, Samuel Mockby and DK Ruth, uh, who founded it. And Samuel Mockby is this larger than life character who he passed away in 2001. Um, but, They just there's still this all these mythologies you hear about this original founder while being there, and you see quotes of his like up on the wall and stuff. And um, I think part of his his charisma is what like gave the studio its initial like push and kind of got it going. And um, uh, but anyway, so so I think that uh, something he would say was that students after going to the program were snake bit. He he would call it, (laughs) Um, and that just that was a way of describing this like latent passion that would be built up in them that they would leave and not really know exactly what they had experienced, but it would just keep kind of steering their trajectory through life. And they'd be trying to, to get, you know, find this thing. Uh, and so I, I definitely feel like I was snake bit. Um, and I think yeah, a lot of the reason I've, I've wound up here in North Carolina was without the institutional backing of a university trying to figure out ways to build similar projects and uh, build community with people led me into kind of the craft school world. Um, Yestermorrow being an example of a very successful craft school kind of now. Um, I, I started a craft school with some friends um, uh, here in North Carolina that we called the Cabbage School, and it ran for a few years. And we were, I did a design build class out of it. So having left rural studio, I came to the mountains here and hosted design build workshops. And I think that it—it it is, it is really difficult, like that, that the school we started didn't survive the pandemic. It was, didn't have the, like kind of the, you know, whatever the stability of the university is. And it's probably for the better that it, that it faded away. Um, but I think that, yeah, that, that ongoing pursuit of trying to do the the things that we were doing at Rural Studio is something that definitely drives me forward and now is, like, kind of pushing me into natural building and uh, kind of getting involved in these communities. I think it is it is part of that uh, snake fit motivation.
2: <laughs> and just on the, the topic of Rural Studio, I just want to say that there was a brief flash draw Rural Studio crossover in 1995 when um consulted on the bale house um out in Mason's Bend alabama, so yeah it was uh it was hay bales, it was a cement stucco it was it was nineteen ninety five it was it was you know a, a growing uh growing knowledge base, and also it was like in a climate totally different than where most of the revival projects were happening out in like the humid um pretty swampy areas along the Black warrior river so Still a very beautiful house, and uh, that was that was a, a front page article in, in the last straw. So I just want to say there was a little bit, a little bit of a crossover back then.
4: Nice. I mean that 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 sounds just fantastic. I mean I love I love hearing about that and and you know like the the sort of I can understand the, the effect. Like community rebuilds for me was that that thing. Uh, you know I came home to the UK and set up a company almost exactly like Community Rebuilds because it's like, I know how powerful this is. I know how how much I took from it. So I want to you know, pass that on. Um, uh, I got just a couple more questions for you. What's inspiring you? What's what's really like getting you going at the moment in terms of sustainability in the built environment?
2: I, I think for me, kind of like learning about all these like little projects that people are like taking on. And I'm thinking of a particular project that's like down the road, in Atlanta, that you know people like found this justifiably cheap piece of land that would be hard to build anything on, but they're trying to do a tire foundation cob oven a yurt right now like a tent yurt, but maybe something more substantial later and like hearing about that in other places that that's that's really exciting for me, like the kind of like uh self build like kind of just just going for it that ends like the idea that like man if we could all like start to like talk to each other more and you know bring in some of the the old heads knowledge then that's that's really exciting for me
5: i i kind of hate
2: to use something that
5: was in the journal but Su- susan clinker the that sort of uh, cut straw panel system that she's been developing feels very sort of cutting edge and seems like it has a lot of potential and it's it's really exciting to me
1: yeah similarly um something from the conference that that really excited me um was uh killian liam barrett his clay panels that he's trying to to kind of create quickly and efficiently um that can easily be uh used on a a standard construction site like starting to think about um, just slow ways of spreading more low impact materials I think is really exciting and then
3: I, I think to throw in a little bit of like um, a curveball like aimed at kind of more of those holistic ideas uh, I think something that I've found very inspiring and I think early on our team was kind of discussing what we were reading and the idea of maybe reading a book together as we were editing and uh, Robin Wall Kimmerer's Braiding Sweetgrass came up and uh, I think that's conversations around kind of uh, I think golly I mean I would suggest read the book if you haven't uh, but there there are a number of folks I think from uh, indigenous communities who have a lot of important things to say Um and I think that, you know, when when we're imagining ways of our uh, of, of relating to the Earth differently, and um, how natural building is a component of that, I think it's really important that we allow ourselves to really bring a lot of what we think into question, and like constantly try to blow our minds and get out of these sort of colonial narratives that we have ingrained in our heads and all these. Kind of ideas that we're just rehashing time and time again, I think it's important to to seek out uh, different voices and and do more listening than speaking and um, really think about how yeah say it one more time how we're like situated in like a more than human earth like uh, it's not it's it's not just us here um there's there's a lot that we are affecting and that we need to take into account and so i think those that is like a that's a really inspiring conversation and motivation uh for me and i think for the journal
4: brilliant lovely um i guess i mean my my final question was was a I know that the last straw journal isn't just about straw, but uh, it made me think a lot about straw. And of course, this last week I've been <laughs> presenting, uh, you know, talking nonstop about straw. So it's it's very much in my head. But I was wondering what you um, what you see as kind of maybe the where we are at the moment in sort of straw, or certainly where you are in the in the states. Um, and you've spoken a little bit about that. And sort of the the exciting opportunities, uh, like Gavin, you were saying about the uh, the cut straw panels yeah i think
5: I think um it seems like there's a lot of potential for straw in you know l- larger buildings like multifamily buildings and i I've seen some examples of that in in Europe, but not so many in the u s and I, I you know I think a lot of it has to do with with code and I'm, I'm Martin at one point. Was, was speaking about, you know, the building a house out of straw is, there's not a whole lot left to, to learn. The details are sort of, have been refined, but I think sort of getting straw into other areas is really interesting and has room for a lot of growth.
2: It, it seems like straw panels, at least in the US, are like, are like a big, um, because new frameworks is also, they're, they're developing the, the panel that Susan is using um, is from a Canadian company. So there's still like room for more like U.S. based ones that New Frameworks is working on on one. But since there's already kind of like conceptually like the the SIP, you know the the styrofoam sandwich that is like common enough, or not super common, but common enough to where people we learned about it in architecture school and are talking about it that that's just like a oh it's just a different material in the in the sandwich or something as like a starting point. And then also the uh, kind of like the, the rise of like mass timber, which I feel like is partly because of its, of its coolness and, and viability, but also um, in Alabama, the forestry and wood product associate like industrial groups are really pushing it because you can, you know, with, with glues and whatever liquids you want, adhesives you want, you can just grow uh, quicker and quicker and use smaller and smaller uh, trees to make it. So like, we had some exposure to that in the school, partly because of our professor's excitement, but also i it seems like there's like a an industry backing that, and maybe there isn't an industry backing straw panels just yet, but if people get used to the idea of like oh I'm gonna you know think of a a a wood panel or mass timber panel like in a building, that's another like maybe way that conceptually like straw panels can kind of come in because it's just a different kind of cellulose, I guess at the end of the day not saying I'm hoping that there's some uh, massive straw bale industrial lobby that comes to, comes to rise, but I'm saying, you know, maybe, maybe mass timber can also kind of help people get used to the idea of kind of, you know, slightly different materials um, being, you know, put in a panel and slap them up on a wall.
4: Nice. Yeah. I've been talking a lot um, recently about uh, blown in straw, kind of how you might do a cellulose or a, um, that, that's certainly the sort of more conventional material over here. And there's a couple of companies, one in Germany and one in the UK who have, seem to be kind of pioneering this, this blown in straw, blowing it in little chopped, probably about an inch long uh, to a specific density. And I think that's got real potential to, to just change the, you. Know, it's a way that straw can be used in a, in a, in a very conventional way. And doesn't involve a whole load of training or a change in mindset or a particularly change in details. It's just a sort of straight substitute.
2: That's awesome. I I hope that that well, we should look into that to see if that's being done over here at all. Because what I find interesting about uh, cellul- blown in cellulose is that it's like even more accepted in areas that have very low percentage of people that are interested in green or eco anything. But for old antebellum, you know, mid eighteen hundreds old plantation houses, if you want to insulate it functionally economically that's the, the way to go so it's not even a eco decision at all it's a it's just money and that would be awesome if we can just switch it out with straw yeah closer
4: great well i'll send you some details i guess if uh if there's anything you you particularly wanted to say or maybe you know give a, a wholesome plug for the the last straw where they can find it and, and maybe how they can get involved
2: you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook but you can also just go to www.thelaststraw.org. Or if you just Google The Last Straw Journal, it should still be the first result on Google. And uh, there you can find the archive and ways to get our current issue. But you can also email us at editors, with an S at the end, at thelaststraw.org. Um, if you have a article pitch, or if you want to show us your truth window, um, or... Um, also, there's a little section in the journal that's the, the chat room where um, you can people submit questions and, you know, we, we want to hear your answers. Um, we have some thoughts, but it'd be more fun if uh, if you all talk to us. So, so you can email the, the editor's email or, you know, follow us and contact us through the social media accounts.
1: Please send us your articles, your pictures, your poems, your art, your stories, your jokes we want to see it all.
4: Great. Well, I can attest to you being uh, very patient and friendly editors. Uh, (laughs) I think, well, I was uh, quite slow (laughs) at writing uh, the the article. Uh, So so, yeah, thanks for your patience on that.
2: Yeah. And and thanks for writing. I know this is, I guess, kind of out of order, but I also really, really enjoyed your article. And just on the on the subject of like, spreading out natural building techniques or that kind of thinking tiny homes seem also like the a very natural route i mean those are also popping up in cities or just everywhere and the your approach and framing it through biophilia seems is so um compelling because at the end of the day like it seems like the most compelling thing to do is you know to get someone to really to love it and to like really wants it beyond just like you know the logical um well, there's plenty of logical reasons, but beyond like you know, making an argument in their head, like you know, at their core they they gotta want it, or that's that's the most powerful thing. And you know, talking about how it makes you feel and it's like the beauty of it is really inspiring, and it also seems like a very nice house.
4: Oh, <laughs> well, maybe when it's finished, it will be. <laughs> I've, I'm almost a little tired of looking at it for the moment
1: well we're excited to keep up with your progress
4: yeah it's it was
3: great we're looking we're looking forward to the next installment there is one thing one thing I did want to mention about the the state of straw and natural building in the US and just kind of jumping off that natural uh, I'm sorry tiny home uh, conversation I think that that is it seems like elsewhere in the world that's a big topic of conversation but golly in the u.s that is i've been building numerous projects that were not necessarily tiny homes but small residential but just passing neighbors will walk by and say is that a tiny home and and then it just it's just that that those two words tiny home um are on everybody's mind it seems and i think that's a real place to of just you know intersection between the natural building community and of standard construction and figuring out ways to kind of blur that and bring more natural building into the tiny home movement and just appreciate the ways that tiny home kind of demands that we live differently and in a more responsible way. I think that that's that's just crucial and it's definitely, uh, you know, part of where things are sitting in the U.S. as far as I can see at the moment.
4: Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your your hard work. It's um, I as I say, it's yeah, it was genuinely like a joy to read, and, uh, and I think you've you've pulled it together really really well. Um, when's the next uh, next episode? I can't stop saying episode. <laughs> uh, when's the next issue uh, gonna gonna be with us?
1: So we are shooting for the end of spring. Currently, the
3: hope is to publish four four issues a year
4: um great i think we can do it i hope so (laughs) has there has there been a good response i guess that's a a question that uh that i should have asked
2: yeah yeah we've um we've gotten a lot of like really positive feedback um i'd be interested in some more complex feedback so it's like oh what did you you think of how this looked How this looked but so far we've just gotten a lot of a lot of excitement a lot of people that um are glad it's still around and are uh Happy to to keep tuning in, um, but we are also at the same email address and social media accounts. Always open to feedback on, you know, what, what would be cool to include. Um, you know, the visually and content wise, it's kind of all over the place in the magazine because we just want to try everything and and go for it. So uh, we want to we want to try whatever um, someone wants to suggest um, after careful consideration, of course. But, um, but so far, it's, it's been really nice feedback. Yeah, please please send us like your least favorite part of the journal.
5: We want to know. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods,
4: All right, there we go. Thank you so much to Alex Gavin, Kenny and Zoe for taking the time to have a chat with me and for taking all the time and effort to bring back the last raw journal. Issue 71 is so good, and I'm not just saying that because I wrote some of it. It genuinely warmed my heart to read. And I'm very, very much looking forward to getting my physical copy in the post soon. Maybe you can tell. But just a few hours after that recording, I found out that I had COVID and was feeling pretty rotten. Uh, I could definitely hear it in my voice listening back to it. So that's a nice thing for me to remember. Um, (laughs) It was very lovely to talk uh, about Moab again. Uh, Moab is a very special place in my life. It's a very special place, full stop. I believe it's the, the place in America with the most number of non-profit organisations per capita. And it is, it's crazy the amount of, of people doing really good, wholesome things. Also, just the stunning red rocks that are all around the area. If you ever get the chance, I thoroughly recommend heading to Moab. And of course, there's Community Rebuilds who have been building straw houses for low-income families for quite a few years now and have made a really substantial impact on the housing in Moab. If that sounds interesting to you, you want to go and learn how to build a straw bale house uh, for free, you get to live in a straw bale house, uh, you get a food stipend, you get to be part of that magical community. As both myself and Kenny from this episode can attest, it is a life-changing and really wonderful thing to do. Um, so do check out the link that is in the show notes if that sounds exciting to you. Um, I'll end on a much cheerier note than uh, the last episode. Sorry for that, Downer. It's spring here, and I've been sleeping outside. I was woken by the dawn chorus, which was deafening. Uh, so, so beautiful. And the the air throughout the day is just full of birdsong. The, uh, the jackdaws... Have started quarreling. I don't know if that's the right description of what they do. It's a beautiful noise. Do you know what? Uh, the other day, I had a little lie down in the sun at lunchtime, and I closed my eyes, and I'd forgotten about the beautiful orange glow you get when you close your eyes in the sunshine. So, ah, oh, yeah. There's there's really good, wonderful things in the world at the moment. I guess you just have to be selective with what you look at. Um, also, nice things going on are that I've met a few people recently that have credited the podcast, this podcast, with some big life-changing decisions. They've got into craft and they've pursued roots in sustainability or they've changed how they're going to do their renovation to be using better materials. So that feels very, very special um, thank you for everyone that's uh, that's met me and told me those things i've got a massive smile on my face um it feels really good so sending you all the biggest love wherever you are until next time bye bye